If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 12, or your devices, so it's a flip or a click. Mark chapter 12, continuing in this passage that has inspired this mini-series, Blessed Are the Poor, this mini-series within the broader series of the upside-down kingdom, which for some of you and your time at Union Hill is all that you know. We're not in a hurry through God's Word. We take our our time. We let it inspire uh, maybe themes and topics also that we need to press in further into. Uh, That's the the guide for us Uh, in that way. Of course, the truth of God's Word uh, is our inspiration and our hope and reveals God to us, Uh, but it also guides us in these kinds of ways. God, speak to us. What would you have us to do? As we interact with His Spirit and His enduring Word, uh, it opens up opportunities to press in into a theme like this, Uh, certainly inspired from Mark chapter 12 and the ministry Jesus is doing in in Jerusalem. Let's look again at this passage that shows us kingdom ethics and values in contrast to the ways of the world. And once again, we're reminded that really nothing has changed, has it? Tragically, sadly. Verse 38 of Mark 12, as Jesus taught, he said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. Then Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in into the treasury more than all the others, for they gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, she put in everything, all she had to live on. And the Greek translation of that last phrase is her very life. She gave her life. Now, reading through Mark and the other Gospels, it seems that nothing incensed him more than the arrogance and the hypocrisy of religious leaders who claim to know God, claim to know his word, and yet oppressed the hurting, the needy, the poor, the widows, the orphans, and even more, put barriers and walls between people and access to God. Those that would draw near to God, that would come to his presence, which was uh, symbolically at the temple. We know uh, historically God did dwell within the tabernacle and within the the temple. And this was the place that people felt uh, worship and closeness to God. And, and And God's people The religious leaders of the day, the teachers of the law, the scribes, the Pharisees, literally erected walls to separate different classes of people. They set up systems and structures that that made it very difficult for the poor and the foreigner to present their offerings, to bring their true worship to God. And this seemed to incense Jesus more than anything else, this kind of hypocrisy by those claiming to know God and to be his priests, his mediators between God and his people, to be the teachers of his word and his will. Jesus came in part, in part, to overthrow this system 
of greed and oppression and to bring justice and equity to all people. You can't read through the Gospels and miss that Jesus loved and pursued, honored and esteemed the poor and the lowly, the hurting and the outcast. But you can dismiss it, and many have throughout the centuries and the millennia, as if it was not also a requirement to the followers of Jesus to be like him in every way. This is God's upside-down kingdom. It's the poor and the lowly that will first receive and inherit the kingdom of God. It's as if God says, these are the ones that I can trust. These are the ones to be esteemed because they know what it is to be in true need and desperation and poverty. They know what it is to be thirsty, to be hungry. I will feed them and I will fill them And as I give them the authority and the kingdom to rule, to proclaim the hope of the gospel, the true good news, I know that they will never forget any who are hurting, oppressed, marginalized, and distanced from my heart. And so this is the ministry we see Jesus doing relentlessly as he moves throughout the region of Judea, empowering, elevating by just seeing and welcoming the hurting, the sick, the poor, This is his heart. Famously, Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, recorded this way in Luke chapter 6, verse 20, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you. Blessed are the poor. And that's inspired this mini-series that we would also be people as followers of Jesus who seek to bless all who are poor and in need. And to remember our own poverty, our own spiritual poverty. Remember in Mark 12, as we've been in this chapter for a number of weeks now, this teaching and this contrast that Mark is showing us uh, with Jesus condemning the religious leaders for their hypocrisy and arrogance and esteeming and honoring this widow who is coming in faithfulness to give all that she has to pay this temple tax. Remember that this follows on Jesus' most important teaching, his greatest teaching, superlatives intentional. Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing of all? What's the greatest commandment of all? And he answered the question. He didn't skirt the issue or sidestep or redirect or answer with a question in place of a question, as he often did in other places. He answered directly, this is the most important thing, to love your God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, with everything that you are, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Love is first, above all other things, according to Jesus. It's the greatest. First, God's love to us, and then inspired by that love, receiving that love, we can begin to love him in return and to love who he loves. To come to know God is to love him. To love him is to to come to know his heart, to know his heart and his love for all peoples, and to join him in that he gives us his heart and his, his compassion for people as we draw near to him. The love of God and the love of people, our neighbor, are inextricably linked. They cannot be separate. You don't have one without the other. The Apostle John articulated that very clearly in his letter. We've looked at, we've looked at that closely. You may know or remember that in the gospel according to Luke, that same record of that passage of the, of the question brought to Jesus, what's the most important thing? There was a follow-up question given after Jesus made that powerful statement. 
The follow-up question was, who is my neighbor? Maybe it was to get off the hook, or maybe it was for, for clarity. All right, Jesus, love God with all that you are, okay? Uh, love our neighbor as ourself. Who is my neighbor? Just, just who are we talking about here? And you remember in Luke, that, that, that was followed up by one of the most famous parables that Jesus ever shared, the parable of what we would say, the good Samaritan, although the passage never says good, so I'd like to recategorize that and say the compassionate Samaritan. That's what he's called, the compassionate heart who saw the man hurting, abused, oppressed, stolen from, robbed, left to die in the ditch, and saw him and cared for him over and above. That's what the compassionate heart of God looks like. And that taught a message to the religious leaders of who is my neighbor. That answered the question. The most least likely one, the one that's in greatest need and greatest hurt, the one that others passed by, ignored, dismissed, allowed to remain in the ditch of society, with every reason, with every justification of why I need not help or cannot help. The heart of God, the compassionate heart of God, shown by his people in love, is care like the Samaritan gave. It was a striking, upside-down way of teaching because we know the Jewish leaders and the Samaritans did not get along. They were despised enemies. And they had every reason, every historical reason, without going into it today, to continue the divide and, and to despise one another. And it's the Samaritan that Jesus elevates and says, this is love. This is the love of God through one of his people to the one in greatest need. That's what it looks like. That's your neighbor. Which means all peoples. He opens it up to anyone, even our enemies were called to love. That's the kingdom ethic. That's the way of Jesus. It's his upside down way. The love of God sees the hurting and the oppressed and the marginalized and helps. This is love. This is the ministry of Jesus. This is the upside down kingdom. This is the gospel. This is what we're invited to because Jesus has loved us like this. This is the good news that our God has seen us in our distress in our poverty spiritually, whether we recognize it fully or not, he sees us in our need and comes to us. He has loved and pursued us, has given his life for us, that we might know what love truly is, that we might have the fullness of life in him, that we as orphans and foreigners would be adopted into his family, given status in his kingdom, get, becoming heirs with Jesus in the kingdom, no longer foreigners, no longer orphans. This is the gospel. And if we will receive this love first for what God has seen our need to be and fills it, then from that place, as he gives us his heart, as we come to receive his love and delight in us, before, before and regardless of anything that we have done, any good works that we have done or have failed to do, regardless of that, before that, God loves us redeems us and saves us. From that place, we come to then love what he loves, to serve in the way that he serves, to give ourselves through his heart to those in need. We join in his kingdom work. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. That's the result. It's not, if you really love me, prove it by obeying me. It's, if you love me, you will obey me. It begins with love. If you will know my heart, you'll follow my ways. You'll, you'll know my lead. This is our call. This is our commission. 
And this is what we've been looking at the last few weeks. It's been such, an, uh, such a humbling honor to look through these many ways that you have expressed your generosity and your heart in the way of the kingdom to serve those in need, to see and to honor the poor, to seek to help. It's taken three weeks to highlight just some of these ways that more recently we have engaged with. Organized, so inspired by God's love, organized around the Acts 1-8 mission, which most of you know pretty well. We looked at it again last week, where some of Jesus' final words, you will be my witnesses when the Spirit comes upon you in power, you will declare who I am, right? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that's where they were, and in Judea, the broader region, and even in Samaria, so amongst those people that are not quite like you. In fact, you have a history of division and animosity towards other, the others. You will even proclaim my good news there amongst them. And to the ends of the earth, right? It didn't leave anything off. And unto the ends of the earth as you see it. So we are inspired by the love of Jesus and organized around this mission. And for years, the leadership here has been convicted and convinced to order our giving and our seeing in these kinds of ways. Now, there's no end to the expressions in those ways. But we say rightly, in, in accordance with Jesus' words, we take those seriously. What does it mean to proclaim the good news, to enter into the work of the kingdom and the work of the gospel in our Jerusalem. What's our Jerusalem? Where are we now? Where are we located? Where do we live, work, learn, and play? Our surrounding communities, our workplaces, our, our schools, our neighborhoods, Redmond, and the surrounding cities. And so two weeks ago, we looked at some of, you might say they're small ways, I think they're significant ways that we're becoming a giving people, a generous people, our, our little free pantry, our giving garden. Our first Sunday meals, breaking down walls by breaking bread, inviting to the table, sharing our gleanings, sharing our harvest, our mercy team, and all the various ways they walk along people who find themselves in desperate need. So we highlighted those. We continue that work. You guys are doing fantastic work in that. Join in that kind of ministry in your Jerusalem. That extends certainly to our Judea, the, the greater region and beyond. But last week, we looked at our Judea and a little bit at our Samaria, some of, some of the ways that we see beyond us into the broader region. And our tiny homes are one way we do that, looking into maybe not our backyard, but into the greater Seattle area and to those that find themselves along the roadside in desperate need, the most vulnerable. How could we give refuge and shelter to them? And so we highlighted again our wall givers ministry. We looked into our Samaria, at least from our perspective, one of our potential Samarias, the Rainier Beach area, people that have a very different culture and way of life than many of us here in the east side. In fact, there may have been even racial tension and division between many of us and what we would say them, and yet they are brothers and they are sisters, and so we continue to partner with the work that's being done there. Certainly, Holly Park isn't the only place of light and salt in that community, but it's one place, a sister church, and so we highlighted that ministry, and I invite you to continue uh, to ways to pray and, and looking for ways to partner with Holly Park and Otis Brown. Today, we look at a couple more ways to the ends of the earth, so we start to expand our vision and our mindset and finish up this little mini-series on ways that we can engage with the heart of God for those in need unto the ends of the earth, even a small community like ours partnering with and seeing those in need to the ends of the earth. And these two have specifically to do with children. And Jesus says famously, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. 
for to them belongs the kingdom of God. Anyone who does not welcome a, a child like this in my name may not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's a very significant part of God's heart. Now, back in October, so one of the ways in the DR, in the Dominican Republic, back in October, we partnered with a ministry called One Child, and James Grout was here. And I think collectively, we are sponsoring around 20 children through One Child in the DR, all a part of a, a single hope center. That's the ministry that One Child does, is they erect these hope centers, and they staff them, and they bring these kids in off, off the streets, in some cases, out of, out of impoverished situations and others, and they... They give them hope, education, food, fun. So we thought it would be fun to show a snapshot of one of those hope centers. Some of you have already been communicating back and forth with your sponsor child or children. And for those that have not yet engaged in this ministry, an opportunity to see uh, the change that a simple dollar or so a day can make in the lives of these kids. So if the video is ready, let's queue up this little snapshot of a hope center in the DR. Pretty, pretty cool, huh? Pretty cute. Um, life looks very different for kids that don't have access to a place like this, a hope center like this, and there's tens of thousands that still don't. One child is one of those ministries uh, serving and caring in, in the DR, and, and through, through your partnership, again, about 20 children for just over a dollar a day sponsored. We'd love to see more. You can do so through our website. The main banner still has a link to One Child and how to register for a sponsored child. They send you, a, they send you everything you need, a kit, and, and um, you can browse through some of the profiles of these kids. They're still waiting to find sponsorship. Uh, you can communicate with them. You can do that through letter form. And, and hopefully, at some point, those those of us that feel inclined will have a chance to visit. They do trips multiple times a year. Certainly uh, a, a little bit of a challenge in pandemic years, but um, Brandon Nutter, our, our on-site uh, missionary within Vision, uh, hosts a lot of these sites. You may, may remember Brandon was here a number of years ago sharing some of that ministry. So we have a direct partnership uh, with both One Child and with, through the Alliance and, and the pl churches planting uh, around this community, supporting these families and these kids. So it's, it's a pretty all-inclusive uh, type approach, and we really appreciate that. So thank you for those that already sponsor. Thank you for those praying and considering. If you don't already sponsor children, what a powerful way, especially for a family, to engage uh, in, in, in a different uh, life life perspective and a different way of expressing the kingdom heart and uh, to grow with these kids as they grow. Let's look even further to the ends of the earth to a partnership uh, in a ministry that we have in SA. So from DR to SA in Saldana, South Africa, specifically in the township or neighborhood of Middleposs. Uh, this ministry uh, began in the heart of Wayne and Karen Dalton who were here with us for about four years, I believe, four and a half years, and received a call to, to deeper ministry and then a pretty surprising immediate call to return home. They're from the Cape Town area of South Africa and engage in this ministry into Middlepost, some of the most impoverished, uh, oppressed, hurting people in this community. And, and for the last eight years, eight plus years, uh, you, many of you have been supporting their ministry. Some of you haven't even met them in person. Uh, and I connect with them regularly. Uh, it's amazing what God, God is doing through them, their faithfulness, their consistency. And so I connected on Zoom again and said, hey, can we record part of this conversation and show it? So a caveat, it is a Zoom unedited video. And so audio is difficult and they have a special guest with them, someone that many of us have been praying for and reading their updates for years and finally got to meet him and hear from him. A little challenging to hear, so lean into that. And it's Wayne. So 
uh, I asked him for a five or seven minutes, and we got 15. So uh, bear with us in this, but I thought for some of you who have not met them, it's a very authentic way of getting, getting to see Wayne and Karen and get to know them. For others, uh, hopefully you'll smile at seeing that a lot of things have not changed at all as they continue to represent Jesus with the heart, with his heart uh, into a, a very difficult environment, but with grace and with faithfulness and with joy. So let's listen into this video and that will take us through most of the remainder of our time today. So I invite you to continue to commit to, to prayer for them. If that's your first introduction, it's an authentic one. Thanks for leaning in to that. I know it's hard to hear Mosito a little bit, got to... Uh, chat a little more uh, off the recording and just love his, his heart, his passion, his commitment. But let's be praying for him. This has been a long time coming and he has some good scaffolding support, uh, but it is even, even more of the stories they were telling about the actual place of ministry and what happens in that township. Um, we didn't know if there would be kids in the room when we showed this, and so we, we, we left it at that maybe PG rating. Uh, but there's just in, in, intense work to be done and the enemy's present and wouldn't like to not see light and salt come into that place. Uh, we are their only supporting church. We tried to get them connected with Alliance in a formal way, but South Africa is, is not an Alliance-targeted field right now. There is some other adjunct work do, doing, and that, that door is maybe not completely closed. Uh, but we have supported their ministry for eight years, Union Hill Church. In fact, when they first went, they, they called it Union Hill Church South. <laughs> so um, there is just a strong partnership there. And through your generosity and generosity of former members that continue to support uh, they've been able to continue that work and, and support Mosito to live now, to go back and, and live. It's amazing how little it takes, uh, but through your generosity, they can continue. Uh, please give. You can give through our online channels. GCM Africa is what it says. If you've wondered what that is before, it's Great Commission Ministries Africa. That was the nonprofit we started before they went uh, so that we can take those funds here uh, and, and distribute them to them as needed. So please feel inclined to give one off or even on a monthly a simple monthly gift of 30, 40, 50 bucks or more uh, goes a long ways in that ministry. It feeds a lot of kids, helps a lot of people. So that, that dollar gets stretched. Please consider uh, that partnership. Now, as we wrap up today and kind of wrap up this mini series, be encouraged, I hope, just the ways that a small community like ours can make some significant, massive, even life-changing at times impact uh, just through, through primarily through prayer, through heart engagement, and then through finances as the resources that for, for many of us, God has given us abundantly. These are reminders of how abundantly he's blessed us and, and, and how much more we can join in his kingdom work of stewardship. So uh, please be encouraged, be hope-filled. As I've said, each of the last two Sundays, don't walk out these doors feeling like, I need to do more. I must give more. Man, I'm letting the ball drop here. That's not the gospel. <laughs> That's not what Christ has done for us. He's seen us in our need and come to meet it and come to, to fill us and to give us his heart. So first receive, receive his love for you. Recognize your own poverty and need and that he has come to heal, to fill, to call us to life and to call us to love. Invite more of his heart that we would be stirred, that as our hearts are stirred to join him in his work. What an opportunity. There's joy in that. There's joy, and there's, there's no end to the kind of work, and certainly we as individuals or as families can't do it all. So pray about ways that he's stirring your heart to do the work that even, we've already read that passage that Wayne, that was totally unprompted, that Wayne grabbed Luke chapter four. As our hearts are stirred, 
we will join Jesus in his ministry to preach the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to those in bondage, to help people see and to know that they are loved, to advocate for the oppressed, to proclaim the Lord's favor for the orphan, for the widow, and for all. So if your heart is stirred, respond today. Team, would you come and lead us in a chance to respond with our voices through sung prayers But continue to pray as as you receive the love of God again today, a reminder of what he's done for you. And just invite him to stir your heart for the work he's inviting you to this week, which may be a partnership with something you heard today or in these last few weeks, or it might be in a totally different way as he prompts you to represent him in the places where you live, work, learn, and play. Receive communion as you are ready being reminded of what Christ has done for you. Last week, we all paused and partook together. Uh, Today, receive when you are ready, individually, with your family, with another, and be reminded of Christ's body broken for you and his blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins, his grace and mercy tangible again for us today. Love you, church. Proud of you. Keep up the work of the kingdom where he sends you. Be well this week, and happy Mother's Day. Hope to see you soon.